Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Brandy. Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. In our faith journey, there are unique seasons that require different levels of tending to. Today, we hear practical ways to keep our faith thriving. All right, we are so excited for today's podcast. Today, we are interviewing Will, my husband. So I'm so excited to hear from you, to be able to talk through your story, your testimony, and um, where your faith has been and your journey with it. So can you go back? I want you to go back to when you were 18. So kind of walk us through. You're 29 now, but go go back. Uh, Well, first, let me just say this is my time to shine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've been one of you guys' biggest fans since this has started. It's been really cool. Um, I remember just that conversation, Anna, of you being like, hey, you know, we're thinking about doing this. What do you think? And <laughs> you got to go for this. Yeah. Um, Did you say that to her? I don't remember the exact dialogue, but that. that's where we landed. You know, if, if I was like, if God's pushing you to do something, just do it. Just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And if you do a podcast episode or two and it's super awkward, whatever, what do you have to lose? But it's going so well. I've it been listening to each one. I get something out of each podcast I listen to, to the point where I think I was talking to Frank the other day and I was like, I'll listen to church sermon podcasts and I get a lot out of that. And I listen to this podcast and I feel like spiritually I'm getting just as much, if not more out of these, like on a spiritual level, which is just so cool. So this is my moment. I can't screw this up. (laughs) It's got to be good because it definitely is. This um, is a good podcast. You know, it's a God thing when it goes, it's like so much bigger than you. Like it's so much bigger than us. You know, we've been able to see a lot happen, which has been really cool. But yeah. Well, yeah. Happy so tell to share. us about your 18 year old self. Well, <laughs> okay, man, where to start with that question? Um, for the people who knew me when I was 18 and still know me now, I'm sorry. Um, they would know that I could not answer that question within a podcast time restraint because if you knew me then and knew me now, it's just not the same person. It's just not the same thing. Um, in some ways I could be similar, like I'm the same person, but my identity is so much different. Yeah. My, secu- but you know, the insecurities totally different. My faith's completely different. Um, just a lot has changed. Um, when I was around that time, it was a, probably the most pivotal shift in me taking my faith serious. Um, my family was really good at supporting me on a spiritual level, making sure that wasn't just going to church, but also answering questions, explaining things to me about my faith. So I had a really good support as a child and as a, you know, a teenager to genuinely know who God was before I was 18, before I was an adult. So that was huge and awesome. But at the same time, you can only take so many steps as a child and as a kid, and you're bound to make mistakes and screw up and you just have to learn from them and move on. So thankfully, uh, especially my parents were very forgiving, very loving <laughs> to never turn their back on me through my mistakes and yeah. to this day always be there for me. So very grateful for that. That's a huge part um, in my faith. So, And as an outsider looking in, I think I've seen that in you as an, and now a dad, which is really cool too. Like, I I think that like there, Anna and I have talked about this, about like in general, like the fear of abandonment in your life, you know, and how you get close to people and like it's scary because you're like i don't know what if they were to abandon me and i just feel like with you there's no doubt in that like there's no doubt if if anna will ever be abandoned or louis will ever be abandoned and that's been really cool definitely that probably comes from i mean my husband is the same way so i'm not (laughs) saying that like i'm walking around feeling like i'm gonna be abandoned but i think that like hearing how you grew up i'm like i'm sure that's been instilled in you since an early age yeah 100 you're very loyal Loyalty is very, very important. So definitely something I want to model and for sure want to pass that down to Louie too, you know. So definitely important thing and definitely have a a good family and support system that showed me that without having to even tell me it. You know, just so. Right. right. um, But that being said, I grew up in a faith-based family. Um, I I truly, I tell people that I, I genuinely can't think of a time in my life where I didn't believe that jesus was my lord and savior like mm-hmm. literally yeah so you grew up in the church like from baby right yes. like you were in nursery yes okay like i genuinely could so let's say my first memories to 
my first memory, if I really am being honest, I have a memory of being like two or three and asking my mom if she would pray with me to accept Jesus. Oh like, my gosh. That's one of my first that's memories like as a human being. Jeremiah's I know. Like, like, that's why. I was really little. I don't, maybe I was four or five, but that's but one of the yeah. memories yeah. I have. So that's, I'm setting that up to, to where I'm going here. So there was never a moment I was like, I don't believe in God or whatever. I, it was always there. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how genuine is it? How much do I understand it? And how much do I actually implement it? Yeah. And so as a teenager, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, you're praying about it, thinking about it. You're just thinking, what am I good at? What do I like? And the answer was, I have no idea. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not great. And so you pray a little more, you think a little more, um, to put it really quickly and to summarize, um, started to do the, do short sermons through, you know, church and whatever. And it was going really well. And that kind of like sparks a a thought, like, could I, could this be my calling? Could Mm -hmm. this be what God wants me to do? So that led me to Bible college. Um, 18 years old, and I was like, all right, I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to get a pastor degree, and I'm just going to, we're going to figure it out. That's just what God's going to telling me to do. So we're just doing it. And so I'm 18 years old. Obviously, if I'm going to Bible college, I'm taking my faith at least somewhat serious, Mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of immaturity there and still Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of learning to, Mm -hmm. to happen. So I went to college for a year. I came home. And that summer, for whatever reason, I just really struggled. I, I remember going through I, like a, a little mini identity crisis. I really wanted to be liked. I really wanted to be, you know, someone that people wanted to be like, you know, or some the pe- people wanted to be around. Um, and I remember just kind of not having a lot of friends that year, just a couple. And just for whatever reason, it kind of was struggling. And so I was like, I'm just going to work as much as I can this summer, make as much money as I can, go back to school. It's all good. So I had a job going well. I was like, I'm going to get a second job. So I got a second job working the midnight shift at a gas station. And it's a terrible job. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm putting the hot dogs out in those little roller things at 4 a.m. That's Packing the cigarettes. Yeah, that sort of stuff. And for whatever reason, one night I'm working there and I'm just thinking like, Hey, I want something to drink. I'm just going to take one out of the cooler or whatever. So I like grabbed a drink. I'm like, that was easy. No one's ever going to know about that. Well, I'm hungry. I'm going to grab a snack. So I grab a snack and you're like, well, this is kind of nice. I'm getting free stuff. Well, it just compounded. And eventually it's, I'm grabbing a lottery ticket. And if, if it can, if it's a winner, I'm cashing this out. And so I find myself very quickly stealing from my workplace and it only took maybe two, three weeks where I'm working my shift. Someone walks in, hey, we need you to come with us. <laughs> and that's just that gut wrenching de- uh, moment. You who know. walked in? So Did you know sec- them? No, it was okay. like secure. I-, I didn't even know who it was. I didn't even know they you worked just for that. They with just, them. <laughs> yeah, I knew what was going on. <laughs> and just a sidebar, this is like one of the first stories he told me when we met each other. He like, caught you somehow. Yeah, so. I, think was, I think it was first thing. <laughs> it didn't like, scare I need you. you to know yeah. where, you're, where we're coming from here. <laughs> I mean, He's we, like, I have a record. <laughs> <laughs> and we met at like 24, 25. I don't mm-hmm. know, something like that. But yeah. I just remember being on the walk with him and I was like, why is he telling me that? <laughs> It's crazy to say these things because I mean, I know. I mean, you were a youth pastor. Yeah, it's crazy to say these things. I'm 29 now. I'm 18 then, and it's like, truthfully, I feel like I can confidently say this is like never. This would never happen now. (laughs) I know for multiple reasons. Like even (laughs) if I struggled with that temptation, I am just too much. Like I'm so much more mature now. I'm like, this is a bad decision. It will lead to bad things. Figure out a different way to make money. Like this is not the way. I feel like when you first start dating someone. You are like, I'm going to tell them all my dirt. And then if they're not scared, it'll be okay. Yeah. Like I oh, did the tr- same 100%. thing with my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, this is like as bad as it got. So yeah. it wasn't that risky. But yeah. so you went with them and then what happened? So I went with them and they're like, did you do this? And I was sitting there kind of looking at the ground. I'm like, yeah, I did it. And they're like, okay. And they left the room. I'm like, this is weird. What's going on? And then a few minutes later, like a police officer comes in and just says, yo, you're under arrest yada 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 they put me in a handcuff put me in a cop car and i'm like really now because i'm not 
my 18 year old brain never thought I could get arrested for that. That sounds so silly, but I'm like, I didn't think it was that bad that you would actually get arrested for doing that. I thought they'd just fire you. And no, it was like immediately there, the, I'm in a cop car handcuffed. I'm like, I'm a good kid. I'm not <laughs> bad. Like what is going on? And so they, they took me to like the city jail and the cops like, you seem like a good kid. Just stop making stupid decisions and you'll be fine. I'm like tearing up crying. And I'm like, I'm not going to be fine. Like, <laughs> no one's ever going to trust me again. Yeah. All that. And I think they gave me a phone in the, in the jail and I call my mom. I was like, mom, I got arrested. You know, and she's like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. So it just, you feel like you let everyone down in that yeah. moment. Um, and so, I mean, fortunately it really wasn't, you know, not too much came of that. You essentially have to pay the fines and do some community service and you move on. But um, it really shook me. And so, yeah. you know, seeing the bigger picture here, 18 year old kid, I'm supposed to be going to Bible college. I feel called to some sort of ministry. And now let's get this sense of reality. I'm actually just an 18 year old sitting in a jail. I look to my right, there's this dude totally high saying the craziest stuff. Look to my left, there's this other guy who's like throwing up and I don't know what his deal is. There's this other guy who's like, hey man, I'm here every week. It's not a big deal. You'll be fine. This other guy's crying on the phone with his girlfriend. Like, please don't break up with me. Like, this is literally what my environment was in this jail. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, how did I get here? Yeah. What is going on? And I remember laying back on this concrete bench and just staring at the ceiling and just kind of keep thinking that, how did I get here? What am I doing? What is going on? Mm -hmm. And as I'm laying there, I actually started to have a, this vision of this glass sheet over my face. Like I'm laying down almost in a casket, glass sheet over my face and this bear walks up. And as the bear's walking over me, walks over my face and there's just this glass pane separating me from it and it starts to crack and it starts to break and the bear starts to fall through and it's about to like smash me essentially. And it just freezes and the glass kind of comes back together and forms little puzzle pieces. And I, I remember in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, this wasn't a piece of the puzzle. And you know, the choice is yours. If you keep making these decisions, you keep doing these things, you're going to find yourself and put yourself in a situation where you're going to be crushed. You're going to be weighed down and you know, disaster is going to happen. But if you, if you stick to the, the plan, if you stick to the things that I'm calling you and telling you to do, you won't find yourself in these situations. Yeah. And honestly, I was so shook because, you know, I have that going on, but then I also feel like I'm letting everyone down. I felt like I let my family down, my sisters down, felt like I let my friends down just because, you know, I had mentioned before, I wanted to be a role model, wanted to be someone that I could help other people. And now I'm doing these things, making these bad decisions. You just feel this sense of guilt. It's like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, And so, you know, my family comes, they, you know, get me, they take me home and all that. And I'm just thinking- I need to know their reaction, your parents. <laughs> I think they were just A, shook, like, are you, did my son really do this? Are we really here right now? Yeah. And um, I, don't, I honestly don't know. They are just, we, we, I walked out of the jail, it was my mom, my dad, and it was one of the pastors <laughs> who was like the, like the counseling pastor or something. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, this is not good. Like, <laughs> like, this is not good. Like, they think that I'm a drug addict. You're like, and it, it was the pastor that does all the funerals. Like, yeah. I, just <laughs> I just, yeah, it wasn't the best. But I think they're disappointed. But I think they're also like, you know, we're not going to abandon you. We're going to get you through this. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. They were definitely there for me, you know to give me wisdom through that situation. Mm -hmm. But I was pretty shook from it. And I remember very adamantly being like in my head, I am going to change from this. This is a pivotal moment in my life. I will look back and I will remember this is when things changed. This is when I became mm -hmm. a different person. Yeah. And I sat down and I started like listing all the little things that could be problems, that could be issues in my life. And I was just like, I'm not doing any of these things anymore. Like mm -hmm. I am done. And I, it was, a, a big, big part of that was my friends. And I didn't really have bad friends, but like one of the things I remember is my friends at that time were starting to get into smoking, you know, whatever, cigarettes, cigars, weed, whatever. 
And I was like, no, I'm not going to be a part of that. And it was really, really awkward to, to tell them, Hey, I'm not going to tell you guys how to live your life, but if you're going to be doing that, then like, I'm just not going to be hanging out. And I didn't make it about them. I just said, I just deciding this is not what I want to do. Which I think is the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. And it sucked. Like Mm -hmm. they didn't understand that. And were these your Christian group of friends or? I I don't know. It's just a mixture of friends. That was around, like I was in a band around that time. So some of those people, some people from church, some people from just high school groups, mm-hmm. you know, or friends of friends, what that sort of mean thing. You were in a band. We're not talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> like singing band, or you were Dig playing a little an instrument bit and no, find no. some good stuff. Were, ask me a question about the podcast. Let's move on. <laughs> um, well, I do think that that um, vision you had, I was thinking, is such like a beautiful picture of free will, um, yeah. because truthfully, you know, I think that even maybe some people new to faith or that don't know God um, or believe in Christianity kind of think that Christians believe that every step is ordained, every step is planned out. And in a lot of ways it is because God does have a plan for your life, but you have free will mm-hmm. and you can choose like you did in that moment. You can choose disaster and like hardship or you can choose to like step into the plan. And I think I don't doubt for a second that that vision was from the Holy Spirit because it is such a picture of what free will is and the outcomes of what free will could be, or you can continue to put the pieces of the puzzle together as God wants you to and have that like sturdiness, you Mm -hmm. know? So, yeah. One of the things with that too, um, when I was a kid, like, I don't know, third, fourth grade ish, I started to struggle with stealing. Like I would steal from my parents or from the store or whatever and I would get caught and my parents, I, I distinctly remember them telling me, if you don't stop, you know, one day you're going to get in trouble. There's going to be someone that's not just going to tell you it's okay. And so that really stuck with me. And so when this whole thing went down, I mean, that's one of the first things I'm thinking about. You're like, my parents were right. I, no, literally. <laughs> I mean, and as an eight-year-old, that's just the like, that's a terrible <laughs> feeling. Like, you, you do not want to tell your parents as a teenager that they were right and you were wrong. Like you tell them, you don't want to say that. There's just too much pride at that time in your life. And so that really shook me too, because I'm sitting there thinking about, you know, trying to make this list. What do I need to do? And realizing, A, they were right. And B, this is it. I'm in that moment and I don't want to ever be here again. Mm-hmm. And so what are the other little things? Like they they saw this little thing in me when I was a kid and they told me where it was heading. If I didn't change, I didn't change. Here I am. What are those little things in my life that need, they need to be eliminated. They need to be gone because I'm 18 now when I'm 25, 30, 40, I don't want these things ever popping up again. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, one of the things was I will never steal anything again in my life. I don't care if it's a penny from someone's desk. I don't care if it's a piece of silverware. I will never steal something again in my life. And I've stuck to that. Has that haunted you? Because like there are times where I don't know. I'm over at your house. You give me a a thing of Tupperware. I never return it. Not out of intention. You just don't, right? Like those things happen. Has that haunted you? Like, do you have this like conviction now where you're like, this Tupperware was from four years ago and I stole it. Like, has that happened? There's some guilt there. Yeah. I think if I'm being honest, the main thing will be, and this is almost just too real because this is just how life is. Like there's still moments. It doesn't happen too much anymore. But especially like a year or two after this, there's still so many moments where I have the thought or temptation of like, you could easily take this right now and no one would ever find out. Mm. And that's where I have to shut that thought down immediately because you cannot let that grow and Mm -hmm. turn into anything. So I think it's more that sense, like, let's say two or three years after that happened, I'd be walking through Meyer and I see, I don't know, some video game I want. Just grab it and put in your coat, man. It's fine. Like, don't even think that will like run away and leave the store right now and like that's yeah. what it took i just yeah. was so i would say more in yeah. that sense well you know in the in the word it talks about fleeing from sin and i think that's an example of that it's like whatever you struggle with you have to run from it like mm-hmm. it's not even like you have to um just pretend like it's not there or change your thought process you literally have to flee you yeah. know from mm-hmm. the situation um so something that we had talked about um this episode being about though is kind of like the upkeep of your salvation tending to the garden of your salvation, right? Um, And so after all of this happened and going into um, 
this new season of your life where you're like nitpicking yourself basically because you never want to go back there. Can you talk about how that's been for you and how you've been able to upkeep that? Definitely. Um, I think that when this conversation comes up about your faith, you know, most people would say, you know, you need to have a prayer life, you need to have devotional life, be in scripture, you know, worship in your church. And and I agree in all those things, but I think just for the sake of this conversation, we're, we're, I'm going to more dive into kind of going off my testimony a little bit of, you know, do those things, but there's more as well. And there's self upkeep, right? There's like mental health things you need to be aware of Mm -hmm. there. You need to know, you need to have some self-awareness, you know, that's good. Where am I struggling? Where am I thriving? Okay, if I'm thriving, I don't just ignore that because it's going well. Let's let's water yeah. that. Let's figure out how to make that better. Let's figure out how to keep that going and celebrate it. it. True, yeah, and I think a big part of that too. I was talking, like mentioned, mental health. You know, you have to be happy with yourself. So mm-hmm. definitely celebrate that, and then know the things you're struggling with, and start working. You know, start figuring out what you needed to 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 get rid of that. So, um, one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, coming into this conversation is, um, our house where our backyard, we moved in and it was literally no, like it's the backyard was grass, but if you saw it, there was no grass. It's just (laughs) clover, (laughs) weeds, little flowers, dandelions. And one of the things we did, uh, when we moved in is we killed it all. We had to like till it, dig it all up, get the dirt down, this. plant the seed. It's this oh, whole yes. thing. And so, you know, the last step of that was planting grass. And so, you know, we did that. I planted the seed and you put down hay and then the grass comes through and you water and all that. And so we did it in the fall, which is, you know, supposed to be one of the better times to do it. And so it took maybe a month and a half or so. And all of a sudden, okay, we have grass again. Now we have real, real grass. And, um, what was really nice is when it comes in for that first fall, like it's just perfect green grass. There's not one weed in the whole lawn. It looks beautiful, but it's also thin just because it's like the first seed and that's just kind of how it comes in. Mm-hmm. And so that was planted in the fall. Then the winter, it's stagnant. It's not going to grow, but there's also not going to be weeds. And then the spring came. And in the spring, the next step was to overseed, which is essentially you put down seed over the grass to make it thick and more healthy. And so I did that and the grass came in, it came in really nice and thick. It looked really good. I was really proud of it. But with that, with the spring season, with this season where plants are growing, the weeds started coming as well. And so, you know, a big part of your faith and just keeping up with yourself, I think is recognizing that there will be different seasons. Mm. And, you know, for people who are of newer faith, um, it's probably the most common. It might not just be that, but you might go through a season where uh, it's healthy and there's not really a lot of weeds, you know, in your relationship with God, there's not a lot of stuff that we need to um, pull out. You know, uh, sometimes I've seen, you know, your, your faith is new and it's, well, it's exciting, really exciting and you're just yeah. like tunnel visioned on God. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's well, just, you're not distracted. When you get saved, like, like it says in the word, like he says you free, right? And so the for you to experience the taste of freedom in the way that God can give you through salvation for the very first time is unmatched. You know what I mean? Like, and so, yeah, I think I get definitely, you know, you're, you're getting a taste of something that you've never felt before. And it is liberating in a way that you've never experienced, you know? Yeah, definitely. There's also like a stagnant season where you think of more of a lukewarm relationship with God, where maybe you're coasting or it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, You're not really growing, but you're not really, you know, being hurt. Um, So maybe you, if you're listening, maybe you fall into that as well. And, and then the flip, I mean, there's, there's growing, there's thriving. And as I was thinking about what I wanted to say here, what I wanted to to talk about, I really felt like God wanted me to say that, you know, a lot of the times you're in the healthiest relationship with Christ, but that's also the time where you might be under the most attack. You might have the most 
things coming up against you because when it came to the whole lawn situation, you know, my lawn was never healthier. It was never greener. It was never, the grass was never more thick and there's also never more weeds mm. to be dealt with. And so, you know, that that's kind of Almost the flip of that. like there's an enemy. Yeah. Just waiting. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're nailing it. It's like, you know, the devil's not dumb. He, yeah. he knows what he's doing. And yeah. he's like, if you want to be lukewarm, that's fine. I'm not going to really send my stuff because I want you to think that you're healthy, but you're not, you're not growing. You're not, you're not growing. The grass isn't growing taller. The grass isn't getting thicker. The the roots aren't doing anything and good luck with that. Yeah. Um. So, you know, maybe you find yourself in one of those seasons, but I think it, it's just very interesting where for the grass side of things that while the grass might be the healthiest, you it's also under the most attack. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to your faith, you know, one of the big parts that you need to do is you need to be feeding yourself. And that's where it's coming back to the whole, you know, abiding in, in God, you know, yeah. you can't just say you believe in God and think that you have a relationship with God, you know, knowing about God and knowing God are two different yeah, things. Absolutely. So, if you want to thrive, if you want to have health, if you want to genuinely have a strong relationship with Jesus, you have to know who he is, not just know about him, um, know who he is personally. So when, I'm, when I say that, if you're listening, it's more, more than just showing up to church or more than just believing, more than just, you know, praying before you eat your meal, you know, that sort of thing, or wearing a cross around your neck. It's like, if I if everything else is gone and everything else falls away, like that's terrible. But at the same time, my identity, who I am is still going to be in God. And so I think the way that you do that is developing a prayer life, developing a devotional life. And when I say devotional life, I'm talking about reading God's word, having time to worship him, um, whether that's just singing your own song, listening to worship music, whatever, just meditating on God putting yourself in an atmosphere of like, God, I want more of you. And I think also you have to, it's very, very beneficial to surround yourself with other Christians, yeah. people who will build you up and not build you down. If you're spending time with someone and it's not encouraging you to pursue God more, it's probably working against you because it's usually one or the other, or at the very least, it's just going to keep you stagnant and then you fall into that middling season so it's a roundabout way to say, you know, develop practices and routines to to do those things, be self-aware and kind of know your flaws. And um, if you have a community, you need to be able to bring those up and have people you can talk to to help you with that too. Just, I don't know, another episode of The Flourish talking about how important community is. <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, like a single blade of grass is not going to do anything, right? Like a single blade can't fight the weeds that are trying to choke them out. A single blade cannot um, take the all the nutrients, that all the grass seed and the feed that you're giving it. Um, it cannot take it all. But it's all of the grass together working together that is going to make the, the lawn lush. That's going to make... Um, it easier to get out those weeds and identify those weeds. You know, um, if you have one blade of grass in an acre, you're not going to see the weed yeah. that's the, an acre away, you know? So I think that that also is just speaks to how important it is as a body of Christ that we are coming in and we are like, um, even supporting each other in the weeds of our lives, you know, and, uh, making sure that accountability is really big and, you know, not that you need to go up to people and ask them, how you can hold them accountable, but us as Christians need to take on the responsibility of having people around us that we've given permission to keep us accountable, you know? Um, and I think that just supports that, you know? Before we recorded today, you were telling me about pulling different weeds. So can you talk about that? Um, like the ones that are more rooted and the ones that are easy to pull up and like your thoughts Definitely. around that. Definitely. So going back to the, to my lawn, um, so my dad now, so obviously <laughs> super illustration, <laughs> super relevant, right? So one of the things that I've noticed trying to keep my lawn nice um, is that there's three different kinds of weeds I run into. The first would be weeds where I walk in the backyard, I find them, I pull them out. They pull, they just come right out of the ground. I never see them again. Um, easy, no problem. And they're gone. 
The second are either, you know, they're kind of a little bit bigger or they're the ones that were little, but I never pulled them. And now they're a little deeper rooted and, and that. And if I pull them, they'll snap and look like they're gone, but then they grow back. So to get rid of those, I need tools. I have to actually dig them out and then they'll be gone and won't come back. Mm-hmm. And there's a third weed that I just can't stand, which mm-hmm. is more of like the chickweed or it's more of, it's like a group of weeds that are kind of rooted together and you really can't get rid of them without just completely killing them and then replanting the grass and starting over. And I think that's a, kind of an illustration of what life can be like. Um, you know, maybe you're someone in your relationship with God where there's little weeds um, that are, you know, making it difficult to get to that next level to get so like a deeper relationship. Habits. Yeah, so a little habit. So let's just say like you're bad with money, you have spending habits, make a budget. You know, you make your budget and it's gone. It's done, your problem solved, right? It's not, it's a problem, but it's like easily solved. Not a big deal. We can do that and move on. And then there's some like of the middling problem. So maybe that's something you never dealt with, right? Let's t- t- do the budget thing again. You never dealt with that. And you never really l- taught yourself how to manage money or how to handle money. And so maybe now that's either turning into like larger debt problems where it's not just going to go away in a second or more on a characteristic level, like maybe you struggle with greed where you never had the money because you didn't manage it. So now you want it so bad that it's you've developed greed. And that's not something where you can so much as just make a budget and it's gone or do one problem or, you know, there's not necessarily one solution. They're a little deep, you know, a little more deeply rooted where you might have to have conversations with people. You might have to be willing to sacrifice more than one thing to get rid of it. But at the same time, it's not really like you can handle it. It's not going to cause an identity crisis. It's not going to blow your life up. It might be uncomfortable, but you can handle it. And then there's a third level, which would be, you know, some of the things that you've just, they're real problems. So let's just say, you know, you're struggling with pornography. You might need to blow up your life and start like a lot of things over, like friendships, habits, routines, um, the way you use your phone, the way, I mean, the way you spend your time, like, to be honest with you, like, if you are struggling with something that big, a lot of times it takes a complete restructure mm-hmm. of who you are to get rid of it because it's, especially when you're addicted to something, it becomes a part of your day where you're at work and you're thinking about whatever you're addicted with. You're at home and you're thinking about what you're addicted with. And so a lot of times to get rid of something that deep, you really have to be willing to kind of just blow it up, like burn it, start over. Yeah. Um, and even going back to your analogy of finances, I mean, that could be facing foreclosure, facing bankruptcy, like these for sure, huge for sure. monumental things that you really do have to start over and get yeah. rid of these habits, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Cause, cause any of these things, like even the little weeds, they grow. Yeah. And oh my goodness, that's so funny. I totally forgot about this. Anna, but do you remember when we threw, we got a bunch of dirt for free and we threw it down in our backyard next to our house. And for whatever reason, we just completely neglected that area the whole summer (laughs) the whole summer and this is totally on me because we were just horrible this is totally something you look back you're like what was i doing yeah but for whatever reason i just like ignored it completely and weeds started popping out of this (laughs) grass or this dirt that we we had a jungle like it reached the window like i remember as tall as our house (laughs) the weeds that came out of that dirt or the are the easiest weeds you could possibly pick like you could pick them with two fingers and they'll never come back and they legitimately were as tall as a story of a building like 12 feet high weeds so (laughs) yeah that's so irresponsible but it is what it is whoever gave you that free dirt is like i regret that yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i say that though to say like even the smallest of weeds will get huge and big and if you don't deal with them and you know to that point too like sometimes weeds are growing like you talked about how you were feeding the grass you were growing grass you were intentional about the grass these weeds just grew in a pile of dirt that you didn't pay attention to you know what i mean like it's not even it can happen in things that you're not even aware are coming you know and i think where it talks about in the word about being of a sober mind and being diligent in your faith and being aware of what's around you. I think that that's 
why? Because these these sin habits and these things in our lives, they can come from left field when we weren't even knowing that mm-hmm. that pile of dirt was capable of producing something as atrocious as a 12-foot weed, you know? But it's like, we have to stay alert always, mm-hmm. and we have to know listen to the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to us so we know those areas of our life before we even know them, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things I would encourage someone with listening to this would be take action um, because you can you can feel bad about something or let's just say it's sin even. You can ask God to forgive you, but until you take action, you didn't actually repent. Mm-hmm. And so my encouragement would be if you're struggling with something do something about it, like pause this podcast right now and text whoever you need to text or call who you need to call or pray the prayer you need to pray to make it right. Mm-hmm. Because until you're actually willing to do something about it, not only will it not go away, it's going to mm-hmm. keep growing. Mm-hmm. And so can you talk about what repentance is and what that looks like? Um, because, you know, there's repentance can have several stages to it too, you know, making sure you're good with God. But then, like you said, texting someone, like there's several things you can do. Yeah. I think, well, I think the first thing is you have to recognize the, like the issue. You have to recognize that you did something wrong or, you, you know, you're the one that sinned. You have to be able to recognize that, have the self-awareness. Otherwise, it's not really possible to take any further action because then you're, you're just in denial, essentially. Right. So I think like that's the first step. You have to recognize it. Second, I would say make it right. So if you've harmed someone, if you've wronged someone, just apologize. Mm. Um, Sometimes you do something that you can't make up. You know, sometimes you hurt someone at a level where there's not really something you can do to quote unquote really make it right. However, doing nothing is always worse than doing like something. If you're showing someone no love, showing them love is better than showing them no love. Right. So in whatever way you can, you have to make it right. Um, I guess somewhere in there, probably, probably as a part of the first step, it would be you know asking God for forgiveness or kind of a mixture of those first two things. Um, and then the third, I would say, ask yourself, what are you going to do to change? So if we go back to the beginning of what I was talking about. I had a moment where I didn't really know how to change. I'm I went to jail, got arrested for stealing, but I didn't really know how to change because in my brain I was like, I can be emotional right now and cry and feel guilty and sorry, but what's gonna stop me from doing this again when I'm tempted? And I'm like, is this memory strong enough to stop me from doing it again? And as someone who had struggled with stealing since he was a little kid, I was smart enough at least to know it's not because this is a reoccurring issue. So just going through this emotional moment in time is not gonna be enough to stop me from repeating this action. And so that's why I was like, I need to find every little, anything I could possibly think of that's the tangible change. I'm going to make that change. So don't ever steal again. Okay, that's easy. But then the whole friendship things, I didn't just burn all my friendships because I also knew if I had no friendships, I'm also now burning down my self health Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to have good mental health because I'm not going to have any community. I didn't just say bye to all my friends, but if I'm hanging out with them and they start doing certain things, I'm going to leave. Right. And at the end of the day, if I offend them so badly that they'll never hang out with me again, then I'm willing to take that risk and never hang out with them again if they really don't accept the new me. And that never happened to me, fortunately. But what are the tangible things? So let's just let's just flip back to an, another thing I had brought up. If you're someone who's struggling, pornography or or lust or whatever, I would say you just want to change isn't going to actually change it. I would say you might have to be willing to get rid of your smartphone for half a year because it's just, there's just too much stuff popping up that you might not even be going to, but it's drawing you to this, this wrongful thing that you're struggling with. Mm -hmm. So that third step to me is take action um, and be willing to take an outside approach. You know, me, adjusting my friendships had nothing to do with me stealing Mm -hmm. on paper but it did have something to do with me because if i'm okay pushing the boundaries in one area of my life what we don't realize is that when you make that sacrifice in one area your brain will automatically do it in other areas without you even realizing it Mm -hmm. so if i start being okay and bending my morals here i'll inadvertently be bending them elsewhere Mm -hmm. and start making more bad decisions so make the change and don't just think you know, take an outside approach. What are some of the outside things that maybe it doesn't look 
like that's what's affecting whatever you're struggling with. And I would, I would challenge you and say it probably actually is. Mm -hmm. And you need to adjust those things too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually I will say one more thing too. I'll put a fourth step on this. (laughs) And the fourth, the fourth thing here would be recognize that God loved you just as much Mm -hmm. as a sinner as he does after the sin. So God loved me just as much when I was 18 as he does now. Yeah. In Romans, it says that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So the key word there is not, you know, Christ not died. It's still, you are still sinning and God loved you and God died for you. And so you have to be able to accept that too Mm -hmm. and recognize that, God's love for me is so much bigger than the worst thing that I've gone through. And he will still be a shoulder I can lean on. I can always come back to him. And, you know, again, if you're listening to this and hearing that, maybe it's time you pause it and say that prayer and be like, God, I've been running away from this and I need to come back because I recognize that you love me just as much now as you have at my very, very highest, my very, very best. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think um, after all of that, I think adding it as the fourth and last final step is good because like you don't want to dwell on all of that. Like we we have to dwell on like the good parts of Christ and what he's done for us. And and if you've seen, if you have received forgiveness, it's over. It's done. You there's nothing else that God isn't thinking about it anymore. And you know, I mean, there are things in my life that I have felt bad about the well, back when I was going through like our our really long drought season of infertility, I really struggled with like doubt in God and um it was just a really dark place for me and sometimes I still think about that and I'm really sorry for how I treated my husband the people around me god um and you know god kind of like has spoken to me more recently like it's over it's done i i don't even know that version of you anymore you're not that person anymore and so um i think dwelling on it you know it's it's only going to serve you poorly you mm-hmm. you know if you dwell on something that you did years ago and if you at 29 we're still living in the sin of your 18 year old self um, you would be paralyzed in that for a long time. Mm-hmm. And God has brought you to so many other places. I mean, um, you're married to a strong, amazing Christian woman. Mm-hmm. And like you wouldn't be if you were still dwelling on that, you know? So, yeah. So after that happened, what changed when you went back to school? Because you were at Bible college. So what were like the practical things you did or kind of like walk us through the next few years of your life? Yeah, so it was really awkward because I was supposed <laughs> to take a like a vacation with all my friends the week before college and I had to call them and say, Hey, I can't come. Mm. Well, what are you talking about, dude? We've been planning this. Well, I have to go to court and I have to figure out what this is gonna be. So it was it was super awkward to be honest. But um I say that to say I had good Christian friends and I was open about what had happened. Mm -hmm. And I told them pretty much everything I'm seeing here. I said to them, Hey, this is what happened. And this is how it's never going to happen again. And they would hold me accountable to that. They would joke with me and it was, they would be like, if we were at the the gas station, they saw them, they'd be like, well, dude, just letting you know, there's lottery tickets in there before you go in. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, like they were funny like that, but they also were, if they saw me backsliding, they would tell me to yeah. my face, you're being an idiot. Yeah. And they did tell me that at times. And so, I mean, that was one of the best blessings that God's ever given me. Community. Yeah. And they were like legitimate Christians, not surface level. Like, what do I have to do to love God more? That's what I'm going to do. So they had such a good influence on me. Mm-hmm. So going back from that season, they made it so it wasn't even really that hard. You know, they made it really easy because I wasn't surrounding my people, myself with people doing sketchy stuff. They right. were like, I want to know God more. I'm at college to know God more. How do I know God more? Hey, Will, you should know God more. You know, it was easy. Yeah. I'm be real with you. It really yeah. wasn't that hard. A favorable environment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really, good. it genuinely was not hard. Yeah. Which no, is crazy because it should have been. Mm-hmm. So as you guys were talking and you were referencing that verse about being alert and like thinking about 
where you're at and your faith and stuff like that. I think um, one of our friends and I, we used to talk about this all the time, but like kind of doing like a heart check of where you're at with God and um, where you're at personally. And so the verse that was coming to my mind was Matthew 7, 3 through 5, where it talks about not focusing on the speck in someone else's eye when you have like a whole plank in your own eye. So I think it's really important in these times where we're like, tending to the garden of our faith and and looking at like the weeds and what's surrounding us and what needs to be pulled up and what needs to be killed that we're really being honest with ourselves and like talking with God and praying through like what do I need to change versus saying like oh this person is doing something so bad or you know talking about what's wrong with everyone else around us Mm -hmm. but rather like looking inwardly of how can I be a better Christian how can I be a better person and closer to God and love God more and be a better example and you know what that is a hypocrite you know Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to be a hypocrite yeah that's good and let me say that if you're so worried about what other people are dealing with you will not be happy yeah, you'd yeah. be so worried and stressed about Comparison all that. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You will not be happy. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Good. Well, thank you. Um, we want to end with our question that we always ask everyone: What does it look like to flourish in your life right now? I'm glad you asked that question, um, and I'm sure you will. This is like repeat because I say this all the time. So, for me, the thing that is almost my mantra for like the last half year is that I'll just say like, I don't, don't spend your stress, your mental energy on the things that aren't worth it. Mm -hmm. So if I'm really worked up about a bad day, I only have so much of my time, my mental energy and emotion that I can give in life. And I want to use that on the things that really matter. So like for me, that would say, I would say my relationship with Jesus, you know, family, and then myself. So Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I would say God is challenging me to spend my literal time on, but also, um, you know, if I'm getting really worked up by something little, I want to pause and be reminded that, you know, the Holy Spirit is telling me, mm-hmm. don't be so worried and stressed about those things. Spend that energy, spend that focus on the things that really matter. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from my relationship with God, that's going to be number one you know, that needs to stay in check. If I'm never thinking and focusing about that, it's not going to be a good place. And that would include your calling, you know, maybe you're called to this or that specifically. I would lump that in there. And then also family. So for Anna or Louie, especially, those have to be my priorities. So if I'm going to, let me just feel like this, if I'm going to get worked up about something, it's going to be one of these things. And if not, I need to take a time out and figure it out. And truthfully thinking about this, Anna, I'm laughing because I totally failed at this this morning because I think I think today you asked me how I was doing or no, you said what's wrong and I think what I said was I'm super irritated. I don't want anyone to look at me or talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you didn't say anything. Let me just tell you, thank you, because you didn't say anything about to me. I, like you could have totally so funny. Told well, because me off I was that. being just as much a brat this morning. I literally like couldn't find the lid to something, and I just was like, "Where is it?" And then I just yeah. like threw my arms so, up and walked out the room. Oh like and we were I'll, just having yeah. a morning in our house. I'll where... throw myself under the bus. Like that's a perfect example of what God's challenging me not to be. It's like, Will, if you're going to be that worked up, be worked up about your faith and be fiery about your faith if you're gonna be that worked up be worked up about protecting your wife and son and making sure that they're in healthy environments or if you're going to be that worked up be worked up about making sure that you're resting and relaxing and having good mental health like Mm -hmm. don't be worked up when you just woke up with Mm -hmm. a sore back and you're hungry yeah get over it not to take your question and answer it for you because obviously i don't know but um another thing that i've watched you do recently is spend intentional time with my husband um in like a iron sharpens iron type yeah relationship yeah and i just want to touch on that not because i'm like everyone will hangs out with my husband too (laughs) (laughs) it's because women are so good at that and men tend to not be great at that and like i have watched frank struggle with finding that here and i'm so thankful he has it but um I have seen like him be better through 
like the intentional time that you guys have been spending together, you know, and I like have seen your guys's friendship grow even. And I think that that's been really cool because um, men also need that too. Right. Definitely. You gotta be intentional too. So like we try to do that and then we would end up hanging out like twice a year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, one month from now, when are we hanging out? Put it on the calendar. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll just pick another date. Like that's such a, was such a key part for us to actually make that happen. Yeah, for sure. So practical. Yeah. 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 So lastly, can you just pray for our listeners, pray for, you know, the people that are listening to this that needed this message really? I feel like this is a going I, I just feel it in my spirit this is going to be a timely message for someone listening Definitely. so mm. happy to pray dear lord we just come to you right now and we pray and god we first of all we thank you for how good you are to us and how much you love us you know i can say these things and share but what's so great about it is i can come back to a place of knowing that you for you forgave me then you'll forgive me now that you love me before that mm. during that after that now and you'll continue to and the same goes for everyone else so lord thank you so much um we really couldn't ask for more than that that while we are still sinners that while we are still screwing up and still making mistakes while we are still struggling you decided that we were worth it and thank you god uh, i just pray for everyone uh, listening to this that you would really speak to them um you know maybe there's some weeds in their lives that they need to just be spotlighted they didn't even realize they were there maybe there's someone who's been in a bad place mentally and they're just not connecting the dots of the two or three things or the two or three relationships that are leading them to be in this situation um maybe there's just a gigantic huge jungle of weeds and it's time to just blow it up just burn the weeds plant new grass and start over and God, I really pray that you would convict whoever that is to recognize that. Um, they can recognize that. They don't need to have a, a huge shame on their shoulder, but they can make the phone call, make the conversation happen, send the text, do what they have to do to take action. And through it all, Lord, bring us closer to you, right? That's why we say all these things is that we we recognize that above all else, we have to prioritize our relationship with you. Um, so whether it's friends, family, community, you know, whatever we're doing, I just genuinely pray that you would take little subjects like this and just push us just that much closer towards you, that we would use the recognition of weeds in our life or just the concept of repentance or the concept of turning and changing or whatever it might be, and use that to push us more towards you, to be more like you, to be more like Jesus, to love more, to love you more, to love others more, to love ourselves more. So we just thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks. Thank you so much.